Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in week two of our sermon series called Living a Foolproof Life. And what we're doing in this series is we are examining some of the ancient Hebrew wisdom found in the book of Proverbs to see what this God-inspired wisdom might just have to teach us about how we can live better, less foolish lives. So to, to keep this series moving right along, we're going to be getting into a proverb that's very popular to quote these days, but not so popular to live by. And that is Proverbs 27, 17. You guys know it. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, I know most of you have heard that, but how many of you um, might just live by this in your life or at least strive to? Anybody? Two people? Oh, we got some work to do today then, people. Here we go. Well, for me, this is one of those proverbs. It's just a part of our culture that, that most people use at one time or another um, in, in all kinds of situations because that's where it uh, shows up. So what I hope to do today is not only give you kind of a, a quick review of the meaning, but also to take you a little deeper into why I think this particular bit of wisdom is still so important in our modern context. Now, to get into the logic of the proverb itself, according to the research I've done, what the opening line of iron sharpens iron is referring to is not just two general pieces of iron being rubbed together, but instead it's talking about some kind of blades being rubbed together in such a way that it causes both blades to be sharpened. And because the purpose of any kind of blade is to cut things, and the sharper a blade is, the better it fulfills that purpose, then what happens when you rub two iron blades together is instead of making them dull or, or making things worse, which is what you normally think of, it makes both of them better, ultimately creating kind of a win-win situation. But here's the thing. What makes this proverb so interesting, or why I think this wisdom is still so relevant to our lives today, is that this process of, of rubbing two blades together is not an easy thing, right? But instead, it's a, this difficult process that includes a lot of friction and heat and strain and even loss. Or to see this, just take a moment and think about what actually happens as you begin to rub two iron blades together. Well, as you are going to imagine, it's going to take quite a bit of force because iron is this hard substance. And what results when you rub these blades together in a forceful kind of way is it causes a whole lot of friction. And what comes with friction is heat. And then finally, what has to happen for these blades to get sharper is they both have to lose pieces of themselves, right? That's what the process of sharpening is all about. Or even though this is no doubt a win-win situation, it's also a very difficult friction-filled, heated experience that makes them better. So by implication, what this ancient wisdom is trying to get us to see is that contrary to popular belief, in the same way that when iron is brought together in friction-filled ways, it makes the blade sharper or better, what happens when you bring two people or two groups of people together in friction-filled, heated ways is it actually has the ability to make both of them better as well. Or to flex this out, let me just give you some examples of this. So 
One of the main places where I've encountered this bit of wisdom in my lifetime is in the realm of sports. And the way it works in the sports world is if you want to be the best, if you want to be better than you are, it doesn't matter what sport you're playing, what you need is not just to dominate everybody. No, what you need is someone who is just as good or better than you to compete against because that in turn forces you to fight and strain to continue to improve instead of just kind of coasting by. Or growing up, my little brother Trevor who is just a year and four months younger than I am, he never won any game he ever played against me unless he was on my team. Or, or because I'm so competitive, not one time did I allow him to win at any kind of sports. I made him earn everything. But here's the thing. Because he spent his entire childhood getting whooped, if you will, in anything that we played, yet never giving up, Eventually, not only did he get better than I was at any sport, but it's also the case he became better than most. Eventually going on to, to win All-American honors as a Division I baseball player playing at Oklahoma State, Oral Roberts then spending a couple years in the Detroit Tigers uh, farm organization until he finally hung it up when he had his first child. Or the reason my little brother was so good is because I never let him win. I take all the credit for that, right? <laughs> It has nothing to do with these 6'2 and left-handed who can throw the ball 93 miles an hour. It was all me. I'm not bitter. Another great example of this was the rivalry between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And what I learned about these two men watching one of those old sports documentaries is even though both of these men were considered to be the best of the best at what they do, and even though both of them led their teams to numerous NBA championships, what this documentary reveals about both of them and why they continued to work harder than anyone, even though they were already on top, is because they were all about beating each other. Or, as Larry Bird explains, what motivated him to spend countless hours taking thousands of shots a day is even though he didn't know for sure what Magic's workout schedule was like, he imagined Magic taking 100 shots at all the different places on the floor. So to make sure he was better, he would do 10 more, 20 more at each spot, which is apparently the same thing that Magic did. Or it's what also motivated Magic to work harder and longer than anyone else as well. And as you know, the result of that is Larry Bird and Magic Johnson are still considered by most today to be two of the best basketball players in the history of the sport. And not only that, they're given credit for saving the NBA. The NBA was on its way out until Larry and Magic and that rivalry happened. Or because of this iron sharpens iron type of relationship, which for a long time was anything but warm and fuzzy. They really didn't like each other. It made both of them better than they could have ever become without that rivalry, without that heat and friction. Now, to take things a bit deeper, let me walk you through some examples of how this wisdom is actually something we need to embrace in many different areas of our life because of how it has the ability to make us better. So, one of the places we don't normally think about how important this wisdom is, is in our marriages. In that if we get real honest with ourselves when it comes to disagreements, what we normally think to ourselves is, if our beloved would just come to their senses and see how I've got it right in everything then not only would there be no tension, but all of our problems would be solved. Any of you know what I'm talking about here? The rest of you are liars because that's kind of our default position, right? Well, what I have learned now that Ashley and I have been living in this state of happily ever after for 16 amazingly hard yet beautiful years, because marriage is not just a beautiful thing, it's also one of the hardest things you will ever do. Amen? Okay, just checking on that deal. So in looking back, 
What has helped us not only become the couple we are today, but the people we are today, were not all the good times. It wasn't when life was easy and, and we got along and all that stuff. No, what helped us, both of us continue to get better, were those times of friction and heat. Because what happens in those moments of discord, if you do it right, is that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Or it's because of the friction, not in spite of it, that I would argue that we are the people we are today, or we are better people today than we would have been without all of that tension and heat. What I've also found being the leader of this church for the last nine and a half years and doing ministry for 23 years now is what makes us better or what has helped us get to this place of thrival and growth as a church is not everyone agreeing with me because I am the boss and I've got everything figured out. Although secretly I wish you all would agree with me because I am brilliant. <laughs> right? No, truth is where the magic happens or where we get better is in the friction, is in the disagreements. Because what seems to happen in those uncomfortable places is somehow God shows up in and through that process of wrestling and grinding and compromise and all that you have to do and helps us to figure out what's best for the church moving forward. I've seen it time and time again, which of course is not just the logic intended for church work, but for every kind of work, no matter what you do. Or what I think this proverb puts into perspective for us, even in our work lives, is that contrary to popular belief, tension, heat, disagreements are not necessarily bad things, but are opportunities to not only make our businesses better, but to make everyone involved better. Or this is the creative tension that is needed in every system to make people uncomfortable enough to adapt, adjust, and even change to get better. So maybe, just maybe, instead of avoiding all that conflict, you know, that conflict that's kind of bubbling up just below the surface at work, which we're all really good at, Maybe it's, it's time to face it head on with the mindset that this is what it takes or this is what it looks like to get better. We need to lean in instead of leaning out. But for me, the most important place where we need to do a much better job of living this wisdom out is in our current political divide. And that maybe instead of viewing all of those people whom we disagree with as our enemies, whom we need to destroy and fight, maybe instead what we need to do, even if it makes us queasy, is to see those people and their views not as a problem to be solved, but as an opportunity to sharpen not only our lives, but to make their lives better as well. Or, or to maybe see those people as people that God put in our lives to help us become not only who he created us to be, but also to help them become who he created them to be and also to create an incredible nation. Because the truth is, not only would this wisdom help heal some strained relationships in your life at this very moment, but overnight, if both sides of the divide chose to live out this principle, we would go from fighting our enemies filled with anger and rage, doing whatever it takes to win at all costs, to engaging our friends, those companions whom we disagree with, in civil yet heated conversations as we try to figure out not only what's best for us, but what's best for this country moving forward. Because whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable with it or not, that's the way the country was designed to work. It's never been about a nation or a sovereign having all the power. It's never been about one group of people having all the power, but it's about people, all the people, coming together in their commonality and differences in heated, friction-filled ways making each other better. I would argue a big part of the reason why we are, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest nations the world has ever seen is because as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. And if you don't believe me when I say that, what I want to encourage you to do 
is go back and read some U.S. history, especially those moments that defined us as a country, because what you're going to find there are not some warm and fuzzy moments where everybody agreed and the decisions were easy. That's not how it works. But friction-filled, heated conversations with a whole lot of back and forth, which in the end is a process that made our country and the world better. Or at least that's my take on it. Take it for what you want. So, now that you're getting your brains around all of that, what I believe this ancient wisdom has to teach us even today is that the tension, friction, and heat that is created when we deal with people we don't see eye to eye with is not necessarily a problem that we need to solve or something that we need to avoid, but might just be the solution that God has put in front of us to make everyone involved better. Ultimately meaning, if we want to do a better job of, of living a better, less foolish life, then instead of running from the tension, we need to lean in. Or we need to learn that oftentimes it is in the tension and the heat where God is at work in the most powerful ways, shaping and molding us into the people he created us to be. Now, how many of you, when you think back to your life, when you think about those defining moments, think about when life was good and everything was going right? Or how many of you think, when you think about what shaped you, you think about those difficult moments in life, when life was hard, maybe you were having trouble in your marriage, maybe there was something going on at work. Yeah, what I want you guys to get is there's a lot to learn from the things that we try to run away from. So maybe instead of leaning out, we need to lean in and see if God can teach us what we're missing. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you, and this really is one of my favorite proverbs, something I live by, try to live by each and every day. And so my prayer is that we'll take this proverb beyond the normal way that we think about it. It's not just about athletics, but it's something we can use in our marriages. It's something we can use at work. It's something really that we can use in every part of our lives. So Lord, teach us how to be the kind of people who don't run away from the tension and heat but lean in because of what you have to teach us there and how we can help others get better as well. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.